This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Shanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Saturday full of upsets for playoff hopefuls and others trying to figure out where to go from here. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101. As the games are happening on Saturday on social media at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is our Sunday reaction show to Week 10, and what a Week 10 it was, boys. Yeah, lots of upsets, man. What Notre Dame finally breaking through on the big stage. Yeah, a lot of teams couldn't win the big game. And, Kenny, Glass, remember when we were talking before the season when we said this is going to be a mulligan year for coaches? I don't think that's the case anymore. I'm pretty sure we're going to see a few firings at the end of the season this year. Yeah, I, yeah. Y- you know, I, I kind of felt like a lot of the coaches got a mulligan for this year. But the longer I see this, the what's what's really going to be the sticking point is if athletic departments can afford to buy out that's these right. contracts, right? I, 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 I just don't know if they're going to have enough revenue in order to do that. I was going to say the one saving grace for coaches who are underperforming this year is they might not – the ADs might not be able to afford their buyout because they don't have revenue – enough revenue coming in. So yeah. you took the words right out of my mouth, Wes. Yeah, well, let – let me – go ahead, Pasto. Say so South Carolina coach should be fired. <laughs> Virginia Tech uh, coach should be fired. I mean, there's so many coaches I can name off the top of my head that should be fired, but you're right. The buyouts are too big, and they probably are at a deficit this year. So, yeah. Go ahead, Gless. Well, let me get into some scores and get some quick reaction from you guys because it was certainly, in my opinion, probably the best Saturday that we've had so far as far as uh, uh, upsets, big games, great endings. And, of course, because the Pac-12 was back, we had all five Power Five conference playing this weekend, which is fantastic to see. So let me get into some Saturday notable scores. Uh, BYU 
handles Boise State 51-17. to A lot that had to do with Boise State really marching out a, a third-string quarterback most of that game, but BYU really put their staple on being the best G5 team possibly in America, 51-17. to Liberty goes to Virginia Tech, upsets the Hokies, Liberty 38-35, and establishing themselves as the best team in the state of Virginia. Michigan continues to struggle, 38-21 to loss to Indiana. USC with a miracle comeback, down 27-13 to with four minutes left to go, end up winning the game 28-27 versus Arizona State. And, uh, and then Ohio State taking care of business, 49-27 against Rutgers. Oregon on the national stage takes care of Stanford, and I'll get into that a little bit later, 34-14. Cincinnati just laying the wood on Houston. Cincinnati, to me, fellas, is for real, at least on defense, 38-10 to 10 over Houston. One of the uh, biggest games of the day, Georgia versus Florida in their annual SEC East matchup. Florida takes care of business, 48-23. to 23. Penn State continues to struggle, boys. Hosts Maryland, and Maryland, as from a program standpoint, probably one of the lower-tier Power Five conference or teams in all of the Power Five. And Maryland absolutely manhandled Penn State 35-19. to 19. And then the biggest game of the day, Notre Dame and Clemson, number one versus number four. In double overtime, Notre Dame beats Clemson 47-40. to 40. Fellas, what was your instant reaction to what we saw yesterday? So, one, Georgia needs to try JT Daniels. And I don't care if JT Daniels is the worst quarterback on that team. But for the fans to keep suffering from watching Stetson Bennett and Mathis just suck it up every single week, at least let the fans know that JT Daniels sucks. Like, let him just roll him out there. If he sucks, then at least the fans can stop complaining about him sucking. But if he's awesome, then great. Georgia has an offense that can actually play and play with these teams like Florida and Alabama. Second, Clemson, good God, they need to find a defense. They, they, they are just giving points up to everybody at this point, whether it's Syracuse, whether it's uh, obviously um, Notre Dame. Just every single game, I feel like they're, they're giving up 25, 30 points. It's ridiculous. And then BYU. Yeah, you might be the best G5 team, but you're not going to have many more opportunities to prove it. You have two more games on the schedule with two or three more open weeks before the playoff community can decide. You better schedule another team. I was talking to Kenny offline. Like, they need to try to get Marshall, like a top 25 programmer, you know, a, someone that with some respect, play them, keep getting on TV so people can see Zach Wilson, see these players, and see them uh, compete versus these teams. But I don't think they have a chance against the playoffs with only two games left. And then my last one, speaking about G5 schools, is the road looks tough for Cincinnati or BYU because I think the team that has the upper edge right now, and no one's talking about them, and I hate to admit it, is Texas A&M. They beat Florida. The only loss they have is versus probably number one team in the nation, and that's Alabama. And they have the weakest schedule in college football left, playing like USC, playing no, Tennessee, playing nobody that's ranked. And all they have to do is win out, not playing the SEC championship, as much as that pains people to hear. And they're going to be 7-1, and 8-1, and one, and probably in the playoffs. So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what sucks. I mean, it's going to be between them and a one-loss Notre Dame or one-loss Clemson at that point. But I don't know how you don't give it to Texas A&M after them beating a top four Florida and only losing to number one Alabama. Yeah, there's a there's a storm brewing because you're going to have a one-loss Texas A&M team that could very well be going up against a one-loss Clemson and a one-loss Notre Dame team to say Clemson and Notre Dame win out and, and maybe Clemson gets their revenge in the ACC championship. And it's like, 
you know, what do you do? Does Texas A&M, a team that didn't even win their conference, get in over a one-loss Notre Dame team who only lost two? You know, what could potentially be the ACC? Not only that, Kenny, but they they won't even win their division. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It's going to be nuts, man. It's going to be crazy. If I'm Texas A&M, you really are hoping for either Notre Dame to win out, including the ACC championship, because then you don't have to deal with Clemson, or you're hoping Notre Dame loses one and then drops the ACC yeah. championship as well. Yeah, well, I, like, I think the big, I think the biggest thing for me though is, is the fact that LSU is so bad this year, right? Because Texas, generally, in order to play really well in that SEC West, Texas A&M is kind of like a huge, or I'm sorry, LSU is kind of like that huge, the other huge team in that division, and LSU is terrible. So Texas A&M basically lucks out in the fact that if they could win out, to your point, it's going to be madness. Now, I think with everybody up there, I still – yeah, I don't know. It, it's – I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. Let me put it that There's, way. Their easy <laughs> schedule is going to help them, but it's also going to hurt them for the fact that if they don't get into the SEC championship game and the dominoes don't fall the right way, I could – I do think a one-loss Clemson – and a one-loss Notre Dame, if that was the scenario, would still get in over a well, one-loss. No, no matter no matter what, who wins the ACC championship will get in, whether it's Notre Dame or Clemson. So assuming Clemson yeah. beats Notre Dame, then we're talking about a one-loss Notre Dame that didn't win their conference championship. And I get your point, Gluss, that you know uh, Texas A&M didn't even make the conference championship, but that's because they were in the same conference as Alabama. If Notre Dame was in the same conference side of the conference as uh, Clemson, then they might not make it, or vice versa. One of those teams wouldn't be in the ACC championship. So that's kind of like dumb luck i guess it's not- acc playing playing big brain football by not having uh divisions this year smart that's smart. what they were doing yeah genius i mean I, part of the problem is the sec is in my especially the sec west is so down right i mean M- yeah. mississippi state stinks Ole miss stinks i mean i would everybody I would in that go, side of the division is terrible okay real quick notre dame is beating usf Wake Forest, Florida State stinks, Louisville stinks, Georgia Tech stinks. We ha- they haven't played Wake. They haven't played Wake yet. Oh, sorry, I got postponed. They got postponed. Um, but then they still have Syracuse left. They have Wake left, like you just mentioned. They have Boston College. Their best game left is North Carolina, who's five and two, who has laid an egg multiple games. It's not like their schedule is very hard either, is what I'm saying. Like it's a pretty similar yeah. schedule. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think Notre Dame, if they beat UNC and they hang on, that hey, we beat Clemson and UNC. And they get say they give Clemson a big time run in the championship game, man. Yeah, I think it's tough big, to leave yeah. Notre Dame out of that. Yeah, that could be the tiebreaker. Is how so, that championship. Go ahead, Kenny. Would you would you get out of yesterday? Uh, that Liberty is the Commonwealth Cup champion. That they don't need to play Virginia, Virginia Tech this year because Virginia and Virginia Tech stink. And Liberty, Liberty, man, what a what an impressive win. Like, I mean. You know, 16-and-a-half-point dogs, they came in, they won. I mean, it is what it is. They're the, they're the best team in Virginia. They get the title this year, in my opinion. JMU's not playing. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, who are, if JMU's playing this year, JMU and Liberty might be the two best teams in, yeah, that's in true. Virginia. Pitiful. Um, is Maryland. Like, dude, are they for real? Because they didn't just, like, squeak one out against Penn State. They drummed Penn State. Like, went into Penn State, went into Happy Valley, and beat them down. Talia is unbelievable. He looks amazing. He looks every bit like his brother. Maybe not quite as elite, but he looks like him. It looks good, man. Um, so that was something I thought was interesting. And then USC won despite pay- playing subpar football. They they were 
able to squeak it out at the end on a couple lucky bounces and a couple lucky breaks. But, you know, to play as bad as I thought they did, I watched the majority. That was probably the game I watched the most of yesterday. And for to play as bad as they looked and still win against what I think is a very formidable Arizona State team should make the rest of the Pac-12 alert because I think when they're firing on all cylinders, they're going to be almost impossible to beat uh, just by the way what I saw yesterday. So yeah, those are I- some of the – some of the highlights I saw. Yeah, I'll say this for Maryland. That may be one of their biggest wins in program history, to go into Happy Valley and be able to win. Because that's the other thing about Maryland. Maryland and Penn State kind of have this under-the-ground rivalry in a weird way because Penn State recruits so well in the D.C. metro area. And it just essentially just plucks kids um, from Maryland and from Virginia, all the four or five-star guys that, in theory, should be really interested to go to Maryland. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of bad blood there. Say what? I, I, I know this isn't true, but I saw a, a joke the other day. Is Min- Are Minnesota and Michigan the worst teams in the Big Ten now? <laughs> well, well, you know what? Because, that's a great seg- – that, but that's a great segue into what I – you know, kind of my reactions, you know, first, first for me, what in the Sam Hill is going on at Michigan? I mean, my God, do they have, aside from the Minnesota win, okay, they have looked awful against Michigan State, which Michigan State got drummed yesterday, and then they go out yesterday, and really, really, when it came down to it, Joe Milton folded, throwing two huge picks in the fourth quarter, and ended up losing to Indiana, and Indiana hadn't beat Michigan since 1987, since before any of us were born. I mean, it's it's, it's just wild. I I don't know, man. I mean, I, Harbaugh, I I could see this happen at Michigan. I could see this kind of being a mutual parting. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, um, you know, but I could see in the next couple years, kind of Harbaugh saying, hey. I don't really want to do this anymore. Like, I, I, I don't know if I can I can win. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen to Michigan. I, you, I know he's he's had – I you, believe he's on his sixth year, sixth or seventh year at Michigan. Yeah. And they're just – they just can't seem to win any big games there. And then just losing those two games to – two of the three games to start the season, it's just not a good look for Michigan. He, he needs a win versus Ohio State so bad this year. That's his like, whole season. Was, that's that would it. at least not band-aid everything. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, the way Ohio State looks, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So, uh, so that was that's kind of you know the first reaction for me. What the heck's going on there? Two, Clemson won't win the national championship this year. They, they won't, and you can mark me down in saying that their defense just simply isn't good enough. I know that they were missing starters yesterday, but they have looked very subpar on defense all season. I feel like they're really inexperienced. I feel like they're replacing a lot. And that young talent, although it may be four- and five-star talent, I just don't know if they're good enough to play with a Bama or an Ohio State this year and to keep up with those offenses because their defense is going to give up a lot. Um, I was very disappointed what I've seen out of Clemson in their defense, and yesterday kind of confirmed that for me. They won't win the national championship this year, um, and they're certainly not the number one team in the nation with a defense like that. Uh, the Pac-12 showing was kind of eh. You know, like Kenny said, I think USC played extremely subpar yesterday and then came back and won anyways. Oregon looked, in my opinion, pretty subpar against a very down Stanford team. Stan- I'm going to get into Stanford here in a little bit in my He Stinks Coach segment. But the showing was kind of eh. It's, it's the Pac-12 who 
like they are who we think they are, right? Kind of a very – they're better than the Big 12, but they're not as good as, you know, the ACC or the, the SEC when it comes to a conference. And then Liberty, probably the most underrated stories of the college football season – Go to Virginia Tech. Malik Willis is for real. That kid is so much fun to watch. The Auburn Tiger transfer quarterback is really handling that system extremely well. He's dynamic. Come up with probably the biggest win in the Liberty program history. And don't look now, but if Coastal Carolina starts to take care of business and December 5th, Bring game day to Liberty versus Coastal Carolina because that may be one of the biggest games of the season. Um, but Liberty is certainly a lot of fun, and they got a lot of under-the-radar talent there. I was really impressed at what they could do on offense, and I thought their defense did enough to keep them in the game yesterday. So those were kind of some of my quick reactions from yesterday. But let's get into some stock market risers, some players that we feel like really took that next step yesterday and really turned the heads of NFL scouts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Yeah, Gless, I'll start it off. I'll kick it off here. What, I, what really caught my eye was Wednesday night. By the way, God bless the Mac for playing a bunch of weekday games this year. That that Those, all, that, those six games on Wednesday couldn't have been more clutch. It was so awesome. But I, the guy who stood out to me on Wednesday was Jarrett Patterson, running back from Buffalo. I'm a big fan of this guy. He's 5'9", 200 pounds. He's a little undersized, but he is one big ball of muscle. The dude just trucks people. I mean, last year he had 1,800 yards, 19 t- touchdowns, just a beast, and started off right again. You know, 20 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns, average seven yards in an attempt. Just looked strong, looked in midseason form in the first game of the season. I think Buffalo is going to be a scary, scary team in the MAC. They're They're going to be – they're not going to get a lot of the love because they're not playing a full schedule, obviously, but they might be on that upper tier of G5 programs as well. And Jarrett Patterson is a big reason why. Uh, big fan of his. Next guy, you, you hit on him, Gless, Malik Willis. He looked incredible yesterday. I think he had five, to- or four, five total touchdowns. He was throwing the ball all over the field against an ACC opponent in Virginia Tech. On the season, he's got 12 total passing touchdowns, one interception, averaging eight yards of eight yards uh, in attempt. So I, just – 
looked like he belonged. He's a junior, and, and it's no surprise. You know, he got recruited to play at Auburn, so it's not like he was some, some like, you know, kid who came out of nowhere to be good. This guy was expected to be good, and he transfer portaled out to Liberty, and he's making the most of his opportunity. Uh, next guy that got me really excited last night was Jeremiah Uwusu Koromoa, and that is the linebacker for Notre Dame. What an incredible game he had yesterday. And he was all over the field, nine total tackles, half a sack, had a forced fumble, recovered a fumble, had two tackles for losses, was just all over the field, was a big reason why Clemson couldn't run the football yesterday. Really great gap responsibility in keeping Trevor Etienne, uh, you know, contained as much as you could, which they did a really, really good job of it. And a lot of that stems from uh, his play. And then my last guy, I'm going to stick with the linebackers, is is Blake Gallagher, linebacker from Northwestern. Patty Fisher gets a lot of love on this defense. This guy, all he did was have 14 total tackles yesterday, a bunch of tackles for losses, held Nebraska to 13 total points, just completely shut down that offense. I, he was he was all over the field. Every time I turned on the game or looked up, I was at, actually at BJ's Brewhouse watching the game. Every time I looked up, I saw him all over the field. So I was really impressed with his play and a guy who doesn't get a lot of love on that defense. I want to show some love to him. Did you guys see that USC versus Arizona State game and how USC came back with what? They're down two touchdowns with what? Can he five minutes left? Something like that. And the the percentage was 99.8% that Arizona State wins that game or something like that. And then they come back and have a tip ball, catch a touchdown, and they get the onside kick, throw another touchdown. To who? Who was that player that caught that last touchdown? Drake London. This guy is the real deal. This guy is awesome. I when I was watching that game yesterday, I'm like, this guy is super athletic. He's like six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds, and just like jumping over guys. I mean, he had eight eight receptions, 125 yards, and a TD. And so I started doing a little research on who this dude was. And did you know he also plays basketball for USC? Like he's a two sport nice. athlete at USC. You know, a pretty good basketball program and football program. And it showed on the football field. So keep your eye out on Drake London, the wide receiver from USC, because I think he's going to be possibly. Slovis's go-to guy, at least for, from a deep threat standpoint, over Amon Ross St. Uh, Brown. The next Brown, guy, okay. uh, Merlin Ro- Robertson, the, the linebacker for Arizona State, same game. This guy was all over the field. He actually stopped, and that defense stopped USC to 14 points pretty much into the last five minutes of the game. Uh, he had 10 tackles, five solo tackles, an interception, a fumble recovery, a big-time tackle for loss there towards the end of the game. It's just, you know, the rest of that defense has to play ball, and they weren't doing that and the breaks weren't going their way. But Merlin uh, Roberson, the linebacker from Arizona State, had a great game last uh, yesterday, and I think he's going to continue that for the rest of the, uh, the year. I know we keep bringing up Kyle Pitts, so I'm not going to necessarily go over his stat line and how, much, how, how, many, how many touchdowns he has for the year, even though it's absurd at this point. But look at Florida's offense. I think they scored 38 points in the first half versus Georgia. They scored six in the second half when Kyle Pitts was out. One player went down, and they couldn't do anything on offense after he left. Not a single thing. Couldn't even score a touchdown. It was all field goals, two field goals after that, which tells me the importance of Kyle Pitts on that offense and really how that offense goes through a tight end. And he, not even possibly, he is the best tight end in football at this point and probably a top 15 pick. The last guy, Patrick Johnson, the defensive end for uh, Tulane. This guy, I mean, I've been waiting for him to break out, but man, he broke out in a big way. Three sacks, three tackle for losses, a pass deflection, two more quarterback hurries. I mean, this guy, uh, again, we highlighted him in earlier segments before the, pre- or before the season started, but this was really his coming out game, and hopefully, hopefully he continues uh, 
for the rest of the year. One more honorable mention, Jamar Jefferson, the running back for Oregon State. I think he now has 11 touchdowns versus Washington State in three games. <laughs> kind of an absurd stat for, you know, losing most of those games. Just, what about – Just, just, just okay. own him. Kenny, how about you? Who were some uh, – you know, like we always talk about, you know, with a lot of these guys that really turned heads from a positive perspective. Kenny, who would you see yesterday from a negative perspective that really hurt their draft stock? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I watched um, the game I watched the most yesterday was USC Arizona State, and two plays that really stood out to me. I mean, a couple plays stood out to me, but the two plays that really stood out were the two long touchdown runs by Arizona State and, and Isaiah Pola Mao, the safety from USC, just continually play after play was taking bad angles, was losing his responsibility at the back end of that defense. It just was the prime guy to point to as who was at fault for allowing these two long touchdown runs that really, uh, barring the miracle at the end of the game, were the two plays that broke USC's back, in in a sense. Those were the two plays that were going to cost them the game. And and it really would have fell right on him. He just did not look like he belonged out in the field yesterday. It looked like he was lost. It looked like he was playing in a trance. And and it was really really a bummer to see because I really like him as a prospect. Uh, another guy, Adrian Martinez. I, this was a guy two years ago everybody was talking about, um, you know, a dark horse Heisman candidate. I don't know if his stock has ever been lower, and I don't know if it can go any lower. He got benched yesterday, and I feel like this might be a permanent benching at this point because it's just clear this isn't the guy everybody thought he was. And it's kind of a shame because I was really excited to see him, you know, him and Frost team up and bring – Nebraska back hopefully like we've been hearing a lot about but uh, Martinez isn't the guy so uh and then an honorable mention this isn't really a player but to me Virginia Tech coaching is falling just the the complete botch of what they did at the end of the game with the icing of the kicker who on a 59 yard attempt that was never even going to be close to being good uh and then the the Justin Hamilton the defensive coordinator playing 30 yards off the ball. and I'll get into that more because that's actually something we're going to talk about later. But that's just – that's a that's an honorable mention for me for a, a, a stock ball. Well, keeping in with the coaching, because I agree with you, Kenny, is let's just talk about some coaches' stock that everyone once thought was either possibly going to go to the NFL, go to a bigger program like USC. But, okay, James Franklin, like he's having a horrible year coaching. I mean, people say, well, it's the running back, it's the quarterback, it's the offensive line, it's the defense. When it's everything, then you start pointing towards the coaching because there's – I mean, you have four- and five-star dudes all over that all over that field. Chip Kelly, can, for the love of God, can we win some football games at UCLA? Your quarterback's throwing up five TDs every single game in DTR, but you can't stop anybody. You have nobody else on that team. Chip Kelly, I think it's time for you to hang up the, the, the clipboard. Jim Harbaugh, same thing. Can you win a big game? I mean, at this point, Kenny mentioned it. The only thing you can do at this point is beat Ohio State. If you beat Ohio State, successful season. If you don't, then there might there, there might need to be a mutual understanding to get him out of there. Obviously, Fuente, Kenny, you just you just mentioned it. I'm not going to defend him too much longer because I had been defending him in the past, but that was just kind of a, a botch on his part by calling that timeout yesterday. It, it, but to be fair, Hugh Freeze kind of botched it by not – by putting himself in, by putting Liberty in that same position, because that running back again, I feel like I'm saying this every week, should have took a knee at the one and just kicked the field goal and ended the game. Instead, these defenses are letting these guys walk into the end zone, and nobody's coaching these kids to say, "Hey, stop! Don't go in the end zone. Take a knee. Let's kick the field goal, run out the clock, and that's game." 
So, I mean, there's just bad coaching. I'm glad you bring that up because you guys are former football players, and I actually want to talk to you about that. So, as a player, like, yeah, you can kind of – I feel like you can kind of drill that. You can kind of drill that into your players' heads, like, hey, don't score. But you're taught from the time you're, what, three or four when you start playing peewee that you score. Like, that's your main objective on offense is to score points. Right. Like, how hard is that to, to coach into someone's well, head or, or for a pl- as a player to break that and, so and think about that in the, Subcon- middle, in the moment sub- like that? Subconsciously, yes, it's very hard. But that's why it takes a coach prior to that drive or prior to that play. Hey, we're going to give you the ball. If they let you, uh, you know, if the defense looks like Swiss cheese, it's probably for a reason. Go down after you get five yards, after you get the first down. I, but that, I'm saying that, that, should be a, that should be a conversation yeah. before that drive. I think there was too much time. I, it, look, I, I don't fault him for, for scoring there. I, I can see it in a situation. I mean, the game was tied, right? And Tech still had, what, three Two timeouts? timeouts in a minute, Two timeouts. Left. I don't fault them for scoring. No, you, you put up the seven points right there because they're going to they're gonna call a timeout. Yeah, I, I don't but, know. But if he gets a first down, I would have scored anyways. Two timeouts, you still run the clock down. There's, there's See, I disagree. Tech still would have had a ton of time, and then that minute. touchdown I mean, at the end. How much time, dude? It was, two, it was, it was like first, two minutes. It was a minute. It was a minute fifty, and they had two timeouts yeah. left. So they would have called two timeouts. They, they would have kicked the field goal, and then Tech would have gotten the ball and marched down the field and scored, which is exactly what they did. Tech scored in like forty-five. Yeah, because they scored in forty-five seconds. They scored. Yeah, I, I don't fault down. them for scoring at all. You, you, I, you know, in, in that situation. I think, I think, I think Devin if Ford, it's like 30 Devin seconds. Ford's was more egregious. Yeah, exactly. Ford is way more egregious because that <laughs> only puts you up, I think, eight. Same with, uh, was it Todd Gurley two weeks ago for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah. It's just crazy. I, I, think, right? I think it's just too natural for these guys to say, hey, go, go, go. I think it takes a special kid to be able to figure that out. Without I don't coach, think it's as well, easy as it looks. Right, but I'm saying like before that play happens, in every play after that, there should be a, someone putting a bug in that running back's ear. Maybe not in this case. I agree with you if there's that much time left. But if there wasn't that much time left, yeah, you, you yeah. got to remind the kid. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I, so see, if it was a different time situation where it was like a minute left and they maybe had one timeout or none, then yeah, then you, I think that holds a lot more water. But yeah, in this situation, I, I, that was a, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's hard to fault. That's hard. That's hard to fault them for that one. All right, guys, let me get into my he stinks coach because I got five of them. I got five of them today. I think it's a show first that I've had five. So first one, Georgia Bulldog quarterback play. They stink, coach. Nine for twenty nine for one hundred and twelve yards, two touchdowns and three picks yesterday. Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis. They stink, coach. They are. Terrible. Dewan Mathis is definitely not the guy to be in there. He looked way in over his head. The only thing he's got to him is the potential to be a dual threat guy. He's got a limp for an arm. Uh, Stetson Bennett is very average at best, but they stink, coach, against really good competition. You know who else stinks? Clemson running game. Averaged one yard per carry, 33 carries for 34 yards yesterday. The offensive line for Clemson stunk yesterday, and it shows. And, and, and it showed by the ability to not be able to manage drives, not be able to run more clock off. So they stunk. Michigan State's run defense, listen to this. One, not only do you give up 52 points to Iowa. By the way, when was the last time Iowa ever scored 52 points? Oh, it never <laughs> happens. Not only that, they gave up 226 yards, 
four touchdowns and 5.5 yards per carry on the ground. Michigan State's run defense, they stink, coach. Penn State, Sean Clifford, and that offense, they also stink. Not only do they get blown out by Maryland, dude, the fact that they only scored 19 against Maryland, that's an embarrassment. James Franklin should be ashamed of himself. That offensive line is horrendous. Sean Clifford, 27 for 57, a QBR for 29.5. That's terrible against a, Mich- uh, against a Maryland defense. They stink. Devin Ford looks like a two-star prospect out there. Oh, God, they're bad. And then my last he stinks coach, Jet Toner. Do you guys know why he stinks? He went 0 for 4 on field goals yesterday for Stanford. He would have made the game closer. That's 12 points off the board. Now, there there was one that was somewhat long, but he went 0 for 4 on field goals all throughout the game, so it ended up being an Oregon route. But, dude, if he makes those 12 – uh, that 12 points, that game looks completely different. He stinks, Coach. Stanford's got to find a new kicker. That's – yeah, you can't miss four field goals. I mean, I'm all for, you know, giving kickers praise and, and letting them off the hook when need be, but that's – yeah, you can't can miss we, four field Can we goals. talk about that's, Penn State's offense, though? They stink. They, stink. they can't move anybody up front. I, I mean, I don't know how you let a Maryland defense shut you out. Like, shut you down for 19 points. That's an embarrassment. By the way, Northwestern's looking pretty solid at this point because they're 3-0, and and they throttled Maryland, was it 49-3 to or 45-3 to in the week one? I mean, they made Maryland look bad. I mean, Northwestern, we all knew they were going to have a good defense. I mean, you talk about Patty Fisher, Kenny, you highlighted a linebacker earlier. And then now that they have a, a quarterback in Ramsey, I mean, that was really the missing piece because I think they had close to 17, 18 returning starters. I mean, yeah, maybe Northwestern. I'm not going to say they're, you know, top 15 good, but maybe they're not that bad. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into some rapid fire here. Top four playoff teams, go. Uh, I have Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson. I think that's what I would vote for right now, and that's probably what's going to end up being at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm going to go Bama, uh, Ohio State, I'm thinking Clemson, and then I'm going to go Texas A&M. This is my prediction for the end of the year, by the way, not not right now or else I'll just say my top four teams. Well, right. I mean, it's, it's at the end of the year, but you take your snapshot by what information that we know now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different here. I'm going to go Bama, Ohio State. I'm going to go Notre Dame. I'm just not a believer in Clemson's defense right now. I think there's a chance Notre Dame could beat them again in the ACC championship game. I'm going to go Florida here. Florida goes in from the SEC. I think – potentially they upset BAM in the ACC champ or the SEC championship game. The only reason I'm saying that is because Florida is explosive on offense, and I think they're explosive enough to keep up with Bama. Uh, how about a cur- uh, your current Heisman vote, Kenny? Uh, I'm going to go with Zach Wilson. I still, I, If I had a vote, that's what I'd vote for. I love the way he plays the game. I think he's playing it at an elite level right now. Yeah, I'm going to go Justin Fields. He still has more touchdowns than he does incompletions through three games. Yeah, I'm going to Mac Jones. I'm going Mac Jones, too. I know Bama was off this week, but, you know, I'm not going to take him off the board until, you know, he shows me a subpar game. Uh, how about winner of the ACC, Kenny? Clemson. I think they'll bounce back. Same. Clemson's going to – they're going to get their guys back. They'll be okay. Yeah, I'm going Notre Dame here. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know Clemson is missing some defensive dudes, but they got to get a lot better on defense. That's all I'm saying. Uh, biggest botch of the weekend. 
Uh, I, I mentioned to it earlier. I alluded to it earlier. Virginia Tech end of game coaching. Um, we've talked about it a lot, so I won't go too much into it. But it's just inexcusable. It, inexcusable to lose the game the way they did yesterday. I'm going to go University of South Florida blowing what would have been their first win of the year, a 33 to 20 point lead with four <laughs> minutes left for first Memphis. Like bad teams find a way to lose, and they they did first Memphis, and it's I, I'm happy they lost. Honestly, you you shouldn't they shouldn't win the game all year. Yeah, I'm going Penn State defense here. I know I, I ragged on the offense, but their defense also stinks. Giving up 35 <laughs> to Maryland, that's embarrassing. Maryland's got, like, nobody. I mean, I guess Talia played okay. Talia is, you know, pretty decent. But, do you got four or five-star dudes all on that defense. you got to play better than that. So that's kind of my botch. How about the play of the weekend? It, it's not going to go down as, like, the flashiest of plays, but Notre Dame's big pass at the end of regulation to set up their tie going into overtime. I mean, that was a a huge play and a big stones of, of a throw by by Ian Book. So what would have been the play is for Jane Tech having the block kick for a touchdown, but a timeout raced that play. So I'm going to go the Rutgers when uh, the, the punt throwback to another player for a touchdown. So the, obviously Hoste kicked the ball, punted it. The guy threw it across the field, and the dude just took it to the house like 60 yards. I, I love the innovation on Rutgers' uh, side of the ball. Yeah, I've got two. One is the the USC onside kick recovery. Um, I think getting onside kicks is tougher than ever, and for them to do that in the fashion that they did, I mean, it was it. You know, it's kind of a botch on the Arizona State side, but I thought that was kind of one of the big plays. Then the other one, and Kenny and I were texting this throughout the whole time, but Liberty on on their uh, on the drive to go down and kick the game winning field goal. I think it was like third down, or it was it was like second and ten. And they ended up uh, Malik Willis, uh, you know, almost like a sprint out. And he takes the ball pretty much to the other half and a throwback screen for like 30 yards. And that was like, and that's when I was texting Kenny. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, Liberty's going to actually win this thing. It was such a, such an awesome play, great play design. Uh, and it really set Liberty up to, to, to win that game. So I love the throwback screen. What a call at the end of the game. So those were, uh, Kind of, kind of a tide for me. So any any final thoughts on Week 10, guys, before we get out of here? Yeah, if you didn't catch it, I think three or four days ago, Shadur Sanders, Deion Sanders' uh, son, four-star player, top 60 overall recruit, signed with Jackson State. So that's our Deion Sanders and Jackson State update for the weekend is they, they're bringing in these recruits now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the takeaway is we got a lot of great storylines developing. You've got shakeup in the playoff standings. You've got – a bunch of undefeated G5 teams like Coastal, Cincinnati, BYU, Liberty making noise. I mean, it's it's shaping up to be a great finish to the college football season, and, and the storylines are getting better and better every week. I about to say, I, my last thought is how poor some of the big-time Power 5 conference teams are playing and how over the over the top that a lot of these G, G5 programs are playing. Schools like Liberty, Coastal, BYU, um, you know they're 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 really rising to the top as far as filling out the top 25 standings because a lot of these power five schools Michigan Penn State um, you know Arizona State this is this is feeling this is feeling a lot I mean, like 2007 I mean it's just such a weird year and you see a lot of these power five schools just not playing very well and so I just I just look I, I think that's kind of the storyline we're starting to see. NCAA needs to do what the other sporting leagues have done this year and just have a weird one-off year rule and expand the playoffs to eight. Just do it. 
Just do it. It doesn't matter. Everybody will give you a pass because it's 2020. Just do it. Watch Coastal get absolutely blasted in the first round by Bama. <laughs> <laughs> 75 to nothing. 75 to nothing. Oh, my God. I don't care. Right. Do it. Just put them all in. As always, you can follow and interact with Prospects 1 on social media at Prospects 101 Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, uh, Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, uh, you know, Stitcher, you name it. We're on it. Please make sure you subscribe. Give us that five-star review for Pastel for Kenny. I'm Gless. We'll be back on Thursday morning to preview week 11. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.